So, relationships are a big deal. Here's a great quote by a guy named Dean Sherman. He said, God thought up and created two sexes. It's his idea. This isn't just something that we've invented. This is something that comes straight from God. I even think that tonight I'll probably read a few different verses that will embarrass some of you guys because it's God's description of sex and things like that. It's pretty cool. You'd all be lying to me if you said you weren't interested in that. And see, the Bible doesn't tell us, oh, that's terrible. The Bible gives us the keys to having the most amazing and satisfying love relationships, sex relationships, all this stuff that the world has ever known. And it's all right there. It's really awesome. Mason said something this morning. You mind if I repeat that? By your parents? It was the coolest thing I've ever heard, pretty much. Mason said, I hear that it's not possible to have a perfect marriage, but when I look at my parents, they are pretty darn close. And I thought, that is the first time I think I've ever heard a child say that about their parents. That's a neat thing. Mason, that's like a bank account with a million dollars in it. <laughs> that is stinking awesome. I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, we were actually missionary kids all over the world. And my parents did not have a great marriage. They were so focused on what they were doing that they forgot about each other. They got divorced about ten years ago now. It was really a bad thing. How many of you guys in here, you can raise your hand, have ever seen, growing up, a very successful marriage relationship? It's pretty rare. And, and I know some of you have seen that, but wouldn't you guys even agree that it's kind of not that often that that type of thing is, is out there? Do you think that's what God wanted? Do you think God wanted to create two sexes just so that we'd be at each other's throats all the time, way ready to kill each other and all this? He did not plan it that way. He planned it to be something that would be awesome and fulfilling, something that would be amazing. When he created man and women, he said that he did it for a specific purpose. He said that it wasn't good for man to be alone. He said that he created us for each other to have harmony and to live in peace. That is what he wants. They're a huge priority to God. So that's, that's specifically dealing with the opposite sex. But relationships in general are a top priority to God. In Matthew 22, 37-39, Linda read that verse this morning. It's where it tells us to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Big relationship issue there. Love God, love your neighbor. The entire Bible involves covenants, commitments, friendships, and relationships. This is not a small thing, but it's everywhere. You, I don't think you can read a page in the Bible that doesn't have some relational issue discussed. In John 17, Jesus talks about the unity that he has with his Father, and that we have that same unity in him. In John 13, 35, Jesus said that the world would know that we're his by the love we have for each other. See, relationships are a big deal. It's not a small issue to God. He didn't leave us out there with nothing to know about relationships. He gave us some ground rules to make relationships awesome. Those relationships are fulfilling, they are real, they are possible, and they do produce good fruit. The other kinds of relationships that don't go along those guidelines that God's given us are most often selfish relationships, where I'm in a relationship because of what I can get out of it. A lot of relationships with the opposite sex are that way, right? Like for the guys, that girl's hot, I want to date her, you know? For the girls, maybe it's a different need. But a lot of times, it's a very selfish reason. And it's not what God has planned. Jesus said the entire law is wrapped up in loving him and each other. That's amazing stuff. So everything comes down to, do I love him and do I love other people? That's what it all boils down to. So here are God's relationship rules. This is from 1 Corinthians 13. You guys can write that down and take notes. I think it's good to help you remember but I am going to give you these notes to take home. 
And honestly, guys, I, I really believe that these notes right here, uh, they're not magic or anything like that, but they are really solid guidelines for how to find the person that you were meant to be with and how to have a successful marriage for the rest of your life. I believe that's true. I totally believe it 100%. So here are the, the relationship rules that God gave us in 1 Corinthians 13. It says that love is patient. Isn't that true? In true love, patient. It's not forcing people to do things. It's patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love doesn't parade itself or show off. It isn't proud. Pride is not love. It's pride is selfishness, saying I'm the best. I'm better than you. Pretty much any argument I can ever imagine that I've had with Aaron goes back to pride. And me or her, see, pride is definitely the opposite of love. It's selfishness. Love isn't rude. Love doesn't seek its own interests. How about that, girls? How would you like to know that there's a guy that loves you and, and he doesn't seek his own interests? He seeks your interests. So he's not trying to manipulate, manipulate you into something. But he really, truly wants your good above his good. It isn't provoked. Isn't that cool? So when you say something wrong or do something that I don't like, it doesn't provoke me to get mad. Love bears all things. It believes all things. It believes the best, not the worst. When there's an opportunity to believe that wrong or something, somebody says some gossip to me about somebody, I can say, look, I'm not going to believe that. I'm going to believe the best. That's, that's love. Love does not rejoice in evil. It isn't happy about others' downfalls. Love rejoices in the truth. Love hopes all things, endures all things, keeps on loving when it is hard to. And then this is great. It says love never fails. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a beautiful picture of love? That's the biblical definition of love. It says that's the kind of love God has for you and me, where he puts our good first. And that's the kind of love that God wants us to have for each other. And I would bet you any amount of money you want that if you have that kind of love in a relationship with somebody of the opposite sex, that relationship will last forever. It'll be like Mason's parents here putting each other first. That's a, an awesome thing. So love is patient. It is kind. It does not envy. It doesn't show off. It doesn't create itself. It isn't proud. It isn't rude. It does not seek its own interests. It isn't provoked. It bears all things, believes all things. It does not rejoice in the evil. It rejoices in the truth. It hopes all things, endures all things, and love never fails. It's always there. Isn't that kind of neat when you have a friend that never fails? Anytime you're going through something, you can call, and they're going to listen to you, and they're going to be there with you. Most friends are going to fail at some point, but true love does not fail. And that, that's what God wants to do in us. Now, that's the biblical picture of love. Our society has totally skewed that. Isn't that true? When you think of, I love something, you can think of a lot of different things. You could say, for example, I love pizza. Hey, I've heard some of you girls say, I love Brindy this week. Amy, you said that. <laughs> okay, I love Brindy. I doubt that you would ever come in and, and make yourself a plate of food and then be like, you know, I'm going to give this to Brindy instead. Here, Brindy. She would love it. But uh, see, this unconditional love that the Bible's talking about here has gotten really skewed in our society. We use the word love very flippantly. And Brett's going to like this. In ancient Greece, they had four different words for love. The basic meanings of those words were, one was affection type of love, which is kind of what you'd call pizza. Like, I, I desire pizza. <laughs> pizza sounds really good. Or, I have affection for this dog. It was a very low commitment desire. I want something to eat. It wasn't really true love. 
And then they had a different word for love, for friendship love, brotherly love, between two friends, where you actually know somebody and you love them, but there's a friendship love there. It, it's not extremely deep. And then you went on to a marriage type of love, which involved an entire new aspect of love, which was the whole sexual area, and then a relationship with God. So they had four different types of loves that they talked about, and all those four types of love are talked about in the Bible. The main one, though, is this unconditional agape love, where we actually put another person's interests first. That's what God has for us. That's what He wants us to have for others. Now, here's a big key, okay? You guys listen to this, and I, I really hope you get this. All four areas of those types of love, affection, friendship, marriage, relationship with God, all those different types of love, they all involve attraction. Attraction is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Attraction is an emotion which simply means admitting that something is nice and beautiful. That's not wrong. That's fine. That's very different, though, from lust, which is choosing to selfishly use desire or gratify yourself through somebody else. Does that make sense? So, attraction is just where I admit, yeah, that is beautiful. Lust is where I say I'm going to use that person's beauty to gratify my desires. That's wrong. Attraction isn't, though. This is what I want you guys to understand, is attraction can be involved in every type of relationship. I always use my friend Austin. He's not here. I'll just say it again. I think I should say Robbie. That'll make Robbie really embarrassed. Okay. The first time I met Robbie, I was very attracted to Robbie. <laughs> but not in, not in a bad way. See? I saw in Robbie characteristics that are, are amazing. They're awesome. He's a natural leader. He's strong. He's talented. He's gifted. He's driven. He has a desire to serve God in many ways. And those things are attractive in a very good sense. Right? I want to spend time with him. I want to be with him. That is not wrong. On the flip side of the coin, as all you guys know what lust is, right? Most of you guys know what that is. We can be attracted to some girl, and that can become lust really fast. And that's not, not cool, because that is using that person in a way that, that we shouldn't. So just because you're attracted to someone does not mean that there has to be romance, is what I'm getting at. Most of you have been attracted to food items in the past. Most of you have been attracted to animals in the past. Just because you really like Brindy, I'm pretty sure you're not going to ask her out next week. See, you're attracted, but it does not require romance. And it's the same thing in relationships with the opposite sex. I can be attracted to someone, realize that that's a beautiful person, and that does not mean that I have to have a romance with that person. I can simply agree, yeah, God made that person very beautiful. Sometimes I'll tell Aaron, that girl's really beautiful. And, and it's a simple acknowledgement that, yeah, God made that person beautiful. But that's where it ends. That's attraction. Attraction does not require romance. I think in our society, we've come to believe that attraction requires romance. And I think in a lot of relationships with both the sexes, there has been this issue where people have thought, if I'm attracted to something that's valuable in that person, it has to require romance. And that's totally wrong, and it gets us into a lot of trouble. So, attraction does not equal romance at all. It's just a feeling which can be good or bad, depending on who is on the throne. But see, if Christ is in my life, if I'm letting Him direct my life, then attraction can be a great thing, right? I'm very attracted to my wife, Erin. That's a wonderful thing. That's an awesome thing. And it's 
a spark that helps our marriage do good. It's probably, going back to Mason's parents, it's probably something that's really made that equality relationship. So attraction is a good thing when we keep it in check the way it needs to be kept in check. If I let it run wild, it'll just destroy me from the inside out. So, we need to watch attraction. Don't be fooled, I say, by mystical feelings. Sometimes you'll have attraction, and then you'll start thinking thoughts like, I wonder if I see her today, that might mean that I'm supposed to marry her or something like that. You know what I mean? Kind of cheesy. I know you girls think that a lot. But anyway, <laughs> hey, it's okay, because I just said I thought it too in the past. Don't be fooled by those kinds of mystical feelings about attraction. When you're attracted to another individual, just recognize that, yeah, that's fine and good, and that person is beautiful. I'm not going to try and lie to myself and say they're not, but I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to take it to the next step and start lusting over that individual. And for you girls, I know in a more emotional sense of attraction, there might be guys that seem extremely attractive because of the way they treat you, and they could be total scumbags <laughs> underneath that. I've seen it a million times where girls get beat and they get, you name it, everything happens to them by these guys that were the most caring, sensitive guys that the world has ever seen. So don't let your emotions run away with you when you're attracted to another individual. Attraction isn't bad, but keep it in check and keep your head on. Okay, romance is God's idea. Here comes the embarrassment in a minute here. God created two sexes with a need for each other. So don't deny that, but seek God's wisdom in it. I don't care what society talks about right now, men are different than women. Women are different than men. It's pretty simple. <laughs> different physically, different emotionally, different mentally, different in every sense of the word. That's not a bad thing. We'll talk about that more in a minute. That's a good thing. You girls are gifted in ways I, I will never be. And that is fine. That is, that's beautiful. God created you that way in a way that I can't be. Because that is part of his character. It's awesome. We'll talk about that more later. But the point is, is we need each other. We can't do it on our own. And apart from each other, there is a need that is missing. Genesis 2.18. Let's see Genesis 2.18. Aaron, could you read that really quickly? So it is not good for man to be alone. That's coming from God himself. Okay, God himself said, it's not good for you to be alone, i.e., you should have a girl. That's pretty sweet. In Hebrews 13, 4, it says, marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. It, it says that this marriage, this marriage bed that's talking about sex is honorable, and that it's something God created. It's beautiful. It's not wrong at all, but it's a beautiful thing. Okay, Proverbs 5, 18 through 19. Who's the shyest person in here? I don't want to read it. No one's going to answer that. <laughs> no, Adrian, you don't have to read it. Sharon, you want to read it? <laughs> Sweetie Sharon. Proverbs 5, 18 through 19. <clears throat> if you can't get through it, I'll help you out. <laughs> may your fountain be blessed and may you may you rejoice in the wife of your youth a loving though a graceful dear may her <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. 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 
you're a terrible, terrible person. <laughs> what was the first? Proverbs 5. 18 through 19. My goodness. May your vow be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. May you, be, uh, may you ever be captivated by her love. Wow, that's just two verses out of that passage that describe this sexual relationship in pretty interesting words. But the, the idea here is this is God. And God is saying that he wants you to be enraptured by your wife. And obviously, you women the same way, right, with your husband. He wants sex to be amazing. He doesn't want it to be boring. How many of you have ever had this idea that God hates sex, or that God wants sex to be boring and no fun? That's totally the opposite. See, God created this to be one of the greatest gifts that human beings have ever experienced. And see, we've ruined it. We've ruined it by making it nothing more than a physical thing, nothing more than a selfish thing, nothing more than a really small deal. I hear people on campus talking about sex like it's smoking a cigarette or something. It means nothing. It's pointless. It's meaningless. That's sad. That is not the way God designed it. God designed it to be awesome. He wrote an entire book, the Song of Solomon, in, in the Bible. The entire thing talks about sex, pretty much. And it's, and it's a beautiful picture of true love between a man and a woman, where they are putting each other first. And God has designed that relationship to be really fulfilling in many different ways. Honestly, a romantic relationship between a man and a woman is the reason why we're all here tonight. Because we were all born, and that resulted from sex. This is... This is not a small thing. God created us with romantic desires, and he wants to fulfill those in the correct way. The best and most satisfying way. See, God wants us to be top-notch. He doesn't want you to settle for less. He wants you to be, whatever, satisfied for the rest of your life with this. I'm going to embarrass Russell Linda a little bit. Russ is covering his face. They were doing pre-marriage counseling with me and Aaron about five years ago now. And Russ tells me, he goes, sex gets better the older we get. And I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> Impossible. It is so true. Because it's so much more than just a physical thing. And it gets better and better and better. I really want to paint this picture. Even though it's awkward, I want you guys to know that sex, the way God described it, is one of the most exciting things that the world has ever known. And it's something that God desires for us. It's something that God planned. And it's not something God just said, forget about and lock it in a closet somewhere. It's something that's really awesome. I want, I want to have that idea about it. I don't want to have this idea that I need to be prudish, blah, blah, blah. I want to do what God desires, though, to maximize that. And that is involved in a committed lifetime relationship with Aaron. That is the context that God gave for me to have the best sex life imaginable. Trying to do romance in our own way causes tons of problems. Look at divorce in our society. I don't care what your political viewpoints, I don't care what your background, I don't care what any of that stuff is. You probably don't like divorce. I don't think there's anybody that would say divorce is good. I love seeing marriage fail. I don't think anybody ever gets married and thinks, We'll get divorced in three years. It's not something that's desirable. It's not something that's planned. But that's what happens when we do this our own way, when we do it selfishly. Look at unplanned pregnancies. I know that there are students all over campus that are struggling with unplanned pregnancies right now. 
And a lot of these girls, no thanks to the guys who just disappear when, when she gets pregnant, they're left to make the hardest decisions that a human being will ever have to make. And it's not easy. And the rest of their life will be changed no matter what. I don't think there's anybody in our society that would say, you know, teenage pregnancy, that's awesome. Nobody's going to say that. What about sexually transmitted diseases, STDs? They're everywhere. At Fort Lewis College, the medical department on campus says that over 40% of the women on campus have STDs. That's a stat from their office. That's just the women that are going in and admitting that. If you have an STD, are you going to go tell the doctor? I probably wouldn't want to. And knowing that the guys are usually a lot more promiscuous than the women, I, I don't even have any clue what it's like with the guys. Now what I'm saying is, God desired for sex to be free of all that stuff, to be exciting and exhilarating without the negative aspects. What about the emotional hurt that happens in relationships a lot of the time? We used to have a poster for uh, everystudent.com last year that we put up all over campus. We should probably do that again this semester sometime. It has a big, huge pile of condoms on it. And it says, too bad they don't make one for your heart. And I think that is so true. We're, I was putting those up, and this girl walks up, and she, she goes, that is the greatest poster I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> I'd never met her before, but she was just, she was like, put them everywhere. We only had a few of them. But it's true. What about the heartbreak? What about the heartbreak? It's crazy. See, in, in a long, in a lifetime of committed marriage, there is no heartbreak. There's, there's stability. There are God-given rules for sex. These produce the best and most satisfying sex possible. The Bible straight up says that sex is reserved for marriage between a man and a woman. That's what the Bible says. And I don't believe it's because God's up there going, I want to mess up your lives. It's because God is saying, I have designed this to be the greatest thing the world has ever seen. And I don't want you to mess it up. I want you guys to experience it to the fullest. There are a lot of people. There are a lot of people. I remember that we were at this debate once on campus. Remember that? And I said something about, for any of you guys that have had sex, God will completely restore that, I believe, as you let him. And he will bring you to a place of completeness and wholeness where you can experience sex and marriage just like any other person can, the way God intended but I remember I said, I waited for Aaron. It was, it was an issue with pregnancy or something like that. They said, people today won't wait. And I said, I waited. Yeah, I, and she waited too. And it wasn't easy, but I did. I was, what, 23 when we got married? I waited 23 years. And this guy comes up to me afterwards, and he said, you will never know how fun it is to have woman after woman after woman after woman. This guy told me that. Okay? And I told him, and I didn't mean this to come across crass, I said, you don't know the joy that it is to spend an entire lifetime with one woman giving everything you have to her and her giving everything she has to you. You'll never experience that joy. That's, that's what I'm getting at. Is God created these rules not to bore you to death, but to really give you the most exciting, imaginable sex life that this world has ever known. And it is possible, even though the world is not seeing it very, very often. So, God created men and women in His image. Genesis 1.27, He created both men and women in His image. Knowing that we're very different, obviously there are parts of God's character that you women exhibit that I don't. And there are parts of God's character that us men exhibit that you women don't. That's a good thing. We need each other, and together we complement each other. And together we're a full picture of who God is. So, He said, after He created them, that they were very good. 
I want to talk through some of the differences between men and women because you guys don't hear this very often. I heard in school, men and women are all just the same. And I was like, uh, are you blind? <laughs> you know, they look different <laughs> right off the bat. They act different, they talk different, they like different things, and they're not the same. They're very different. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. For you women, this is just a side note, the feminist movement has robbed you of the joys of being women. Because it said, the only way to be a successful woman is to be a man. And so, the feminist movement itself has degraded everything about womanhood. You know, I look at some of the qualities of, of women, and it's, it's so beautiful. But today you just don't see it very often, because our society has totally silenced it. And the, the strongest feminists I know are the ones that are confident in, in their femininity. And they don't, I don't have to go be a man to prove anything. I am a woman, and that is very attractive, I think. Once I opened a door for a lady, just to be kind, and she said, no thanks, and she goes through the other door. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, like, you, you have robbed yourself of a, of a joyful life, you know? If you're going to look at every man like that, that's terrible. I said, I honestly, I'm not opening the door. I didn't tell her this, but I was saying, I'm not opening this door because I think you can't do it. I'm opening this door to show you that I respect you as a woman and I want to serve you out of love. Plain and simple. But anyway, so these are very good things. That's what God said. He goes, they're very good. Now, here's an example. Firemen and plumbers are equal. Right? If I asked you who's who is more more valuable, a fireman or a plumber? You'd say, you're out of your mind, they're equal. As, as human beings, they're equal. You'd never call a fireman, though, to fix a drain problem, would you? They'd laugh you off the phone. You'd never call a plumber to put out a fire. So they're equal, but they have different callings. Galatians 3.28 is a cool verse about this. It says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. So the Bible 2,000 years ago is saying racism is wrong, flat out. There's no Jew nor, nor Greek. It says, there is neither slave nor free. So again, boom, right off the bat saying slavery is wrong. There is neither male nor female. Get that. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Isn't that kind of cool? So right there the Bible is saying you're all one, you're all equal. <coughs> You're very different as sexes, but you're equal to each other. You're equal. Men are not better than women. Women are not better than men. But you're equal. But you are different. So, equality, but we are different. God created women with unique qualities and abilities that men do not excel in. You guys, I hate to break it to you. Women are better at things than you, and you can never be better than them at certain things, no matter how hard you try it. Beauty. God is the author of beauty. Look at creation. Did you guys see the sunset tonight? See, God is the author of beauty, and beauty is part of God's character. You women exhibit that in ways us guys don't. You're beautiful. That's how God created you. He didn't create us guys with that same strength. That's not a negative. That's a positive. That's a wonderful thing. Glory in it. You guys have an ability to look at the big picture that us men don't. We're more purpose-driven, which is a good thing. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But women look at the big picture. I don't know how many millions of times I've been going, 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 going. Like, oh my gosh, this is never going to work out. And Aaron's like, have you thought about that? <laughs> and I'll just be floored. Uh, that. Actually, no, I never did think of that. <laughs> and so it'll be such a simple answer. It never even came to my mind because I was so focused on one thing. See, that's a good thing. You women have an ability to see the big picture in a way that we don't. 
God's nurturing and caring. That's not bad. That's great. Those motherly characteristics, no matter what woman you are, you have those. You have these nurturing, motherly characteristics. Whether it be for a little puppy dog, Erin, when she sees a little puppy, she turns into a different person. <laughs> and she's like, differently, acts differently, looks differently. I see a puppy dog and I'm like, oh, I hope it doesn't puke. <laughs> Total different thoughts. See? Aaron, Aaron has this nurturing and motherly characteristic. For babies, okay, there have been like two babies I've ever seen that I didn't think were ugly. <laughs> ever. Ever. I see. Every time I see a baby, Aaron's like, you're cute. I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> You want to hold her? I'm like, oh. I don't want to hold her. Oh. See, Aaron has these nurturing and motherly characteristics. You women have those. God created them. God has those. And the Bible, God says, or the Bible says that God is like a hen that gathers his chicks under his wing. It talks about God with these motherly characteristics. The Bible tells us God is spirit, and a spirit does not have a sex. In the English language, we use the word he. A lot of times to refer to God, but God in a spiritual sense isn't a male or a female. But we both exhibit different parts of his character. And those are good things. Those motherly, nurturing characteristics are awesome. They're awesome. I think it's why, honestly, and this is a shame to the guys, there are many more women going into areas of ministry and need, helping homeless, helping in foreign countries where people need help. There are many more women going to that challenge because I think it's hardwired into them to meet a need that's there. That's a good thing. It's not a good thing that all of us guys aren't stepping up, but it is a good thing that you women have those characteristics. Okay, emotions. Women are more emotional than men. A lot of women would hate hearing that, but it's true, and it's not wrong. It's great. Emotions in their proper context are very, very good. God was emotional all the time in the Bible. Look at Jesus. He's going into this temple and turning tables over, and he was furious with the way that they were trying to make financial gain from God's house. He was very emotional about that. God, all through the Old Testament, was emotional about a lot of different things. Jesus cried. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Those are not bad characteristics. Those are good characteristics in their proper context. Okay, now God created men with unique abilities and qualities that women don't excel in. Just like women are created with abilities and gifts that we don't excel in, we're created... And those are just a few, by the way. Those are by, that's by no means a conclusive list. That is just a short list. Okay, so some things that us guys are stronger at. Physical strength. Some women are pretty buff. But I would step out on a limb and say that no woman will ever hold the world bench press record. Ever. Impossible. See, analytical determination. Naturally, men often will analyze every situation. They're purpose-oriented. Zero in and find a solution. It's what drives you women up a wall, right? When you want a guy to listen to what's going on in your life, and he's just trying to find a solution for everything. I know that drives women up a wall, and I can't help it. It's like, every time Aaron wants to talk about something, I'm like, that, that's just the way we're wired, is to say, okay, there's a problem, let's find a solution right now. That's not always a bad thing, and it's proper context, it's a good thing. So we have this ability to zone in on one thing. 
And uh, we have this protection and provision built into us. Okay, the second I got married, the second I got married, I'm like, must kill an elk. <laughs> must provide food for Aaron. <laughs> it's like this hunter instinct. It's alive. I'm not kidding you guys. Before we'd been dating for about a year, I had never in my life even thought of owning a house. And snowboard, hunt, fish, the whole idea of getting a house, it wasn't there. You know, I just didn't even think about it. When I started thinking about asking Aaron to marry me, it was like, to the top of the list. I wanted to provide a home for Aaron. Because we have these provision and protection things built into us. A few times in our old apartment, we hear something downstairs, and I jump out of bed and chamber bullet in my gun, you know, and I'm like walking up to the window and looking around and everything like that. And this protection instinct built into me. I'm going to protect my wife, and that's that. So us guys are built a little differently than you women. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And I think, in the right sense of the word, take pride in that. If you're a woman, that's wonderful. Take pride in the beauties of femininity that us guys don't have a shot at. And if you're a man, enjoy it. Go kill things and jump off <laughs> big jumps, Mason. Mason's, Mason's doing the biggest backflips I've ever seen in my life, I think, today. It was ridiculous. It was pretty crazy. Enjoy those things. So both are equals, but they're created with different strengths to accomplish different tasks. Again, men, just like women won't ever have the bench press record, you men will never have children. I promise you. It's not going to happen. You're not going to give birth. And from what I hear, from what I, I hear about it, I'm not upset about that. It's, you're different. You're very, very different. You guys are different. So just glory in that. Accept that fact and glory in it. And realize it's not a bad thing. You're equal. If anybody ever tries to say you're not equal, they're out of their mind. You are equal, but you are different. And that's a good thing. Okay? So God made us different for a reason, to live in harmony, together showing a full picture of who He is and glorifying Him. Isn't that a cool thing? So don't think your sex is better. Don't think your strengths are better. We're a team. We might have different roles, but we have the same goal. On a team... I just forgot for a second. Isn't it Peyton Manning on the Colts? Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. He's the quarterback. I don't know much about the Colts, so... Uh, Justin, who else is on the Colts? Harrison. Her- Marvin Harrison? He's not the quarterback. <laughs> I know that because I know Peyton Manning is the quarterback. So they're not going to have the same roles. If Marvin Harrison grabs the football and starts trying to throw it to some receiver, his team's going to be like, you're out of your mind, right? He's not like a backup quarterback, right? Oh, he is a receiver. So the receivers would be like, you're out of your mind. What are you trying to throw that away for? Run with it. (laughs) See, together, when we accept the roles that God's given us, we can really go somewhere. But if we get caught up trying to play some stupid game, trying to do all this crazy stuff, we really hurt ourselves. Just like that poor lady I tried to open the door for, I hope at some point in her life she understands the joy of having a man serve her. I, I mean... I think that'd be great, right? <laughs> if I was a woman, I'd be like, yeah, open the door every time. <laughs> I hope she gets to experience that joy. I really do. So, men and women must learn how to treat each other in a way that reflects Christ, which requires that each sex know who they are and who the other is. So know who the real you is. This is a big deal with identity. I think in, in our society, there's a big confusion over who am I. There's this identity issue that I'm struggling with. 
And, it, and, it, and we sexualize it in a lot of ways. Look at, I mean, look at this guy, Medlin or whatever, in St. Louis a couple weeks ago, kidnapping little boys. And nobody's come out and said it, but I don't know why else he'd live with little boys for years on end after kidnapping them and threatening to kill their families if they ever try to escape. This guy's perverted to the core, and I don't think, I don't think that he was satisfied like that. I think he probably lived a very terrible and depressed life. But there was an issue of his identity that he that he was had not come to grips with, and he was he was trying to meet that those needs through other ways that I don't think were right. Child pornography, he, it's everywhere. You know, you go in the bathroom at I forget where I was at, at Tequila's, and they have this whole sign in Spanish saying, and "I speak a little Spanish." It's like child pornography is illegal. You're helping to hurt these kids if you get involved in child pornography. I'm going, man, is this like such a big thing that, that they're putting, you know, Spanish ads about it in restrooms now? Like, this is crazy. Porn makes up at least half of the internet traffic. The whole homosexual scene, I want to be careful I, how I say this. I know I've read all the medical journals. I've read all the journals of human sexuality, journals of neuropsychology. I've read all that stuff. And they all say the same thing. It's not genetic. We're not built that way. But what it really is, is there's a core need for, for men that are in that lifestyle. There's a core need for masculine relationship that was never provided by a father figure, maybe. And so what happens instead of, and, and this is no, no blame, I'm not passing any blame, I'm not saying these people chose that lifestyle, because this is a hard thing. This is a hard thing. But honestly, our society sexualizes things. They say, if you feel a need... It must be sexual. Instantly, that's what our society does. They do it on, on TV. They do it in movies. So they say, if you feel a strong need for masculine relationships, it must be homosexuality. And for women, they say the same thing. If you feel a strong need for feminine relationships, it must be sexualized. But it, it has to be that way. They're teaching that to kids in, like, kindergarten. Right? Five-year-old kids don't even know what sex is, and they're already telling them... In the cootie, I've seen the videos. You know, if you like boys, you're gay. If you like girls, you're gay. When I was nine, me and my brother locked ourselves in a car so we wouldn't have to spend any time with Abby and Megan, who are now two of my best friends. We were scared to death of them because they had cooties. So that's a natural process in life. But our society sexualized it and said, if, if even the little kids, if you don't like women, well, what five-year-old boy does, then you're gay. And they grew up thinking that. Or later... People say, I have a genuine, real need. And it becomes sexualized in a way that it doesn't need to be. So what I'm saying is, we need to know our identity. We need to know who we are and what are our needs. And we don't have to believe this stupid lie that it's just sex. Sex does not solve every problem. I heard this quote from somebody. He said, and I think it was really brilliant, Why are we encouraging teenagers to have sex? Most grown adults can't do it right. Look at the divorce rate in our country. And you know what the biggest reasons people get divorced are? Money and sex. So I mean, honestly, most adults can't even get this right. Why are we telling everybody else to do it? So I guess what I'm saying is this is a big deal. So know your identity. Know your needs. Know who you are. And as, as a person that has a relationship with Christ, there is a whole extensive identity that God has in you. He, he says that you're a new creation. 
If anybody be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Everything has been made new. 2 Corinthians 5.17. It's awesome stuff. He said that he puts his Holy Spirit in you. His Holy Spirit enables you, well, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are awesome things in a relationship. What if I said you could have, okay, Sarah, what if I said you could have a boyfriend that'd be loving and joyful and peaceful and kind and gentle and faithful and yet all these things? Would you say, oh, no, no thanks? Wouldn't that be awesome? Isn't that good? Those are good characteristics. Well, see, God says he puts his Holy Spirit in us, and those are the kind of characteristics that his Holy Spirit produces. They're not natural to us. I know I'm not naturally loving. I know I'm not naturally joyful. I know I'm not naturally peaceful. But when the Holy Spirit's in me, he produces those things, which makes me a lot better of a person for somebody else. For Aaron, if I'm letting the Holy Spirit work in my life, if I'm yielding to him, that's going to benefit Aaron. If I'm being selfish... And misses out on that benefit. So know your identity. Men be real men. Women be real women. Know who you are. Rejoice in that. In line with God's will and who He is. And it'll be awesome. It's part of how He created relationships to be fulfilling. Honestly, you men are cool. You guys are really awesome. But there are needs I have that men can't meet. And I, I'm thrilled to death about that. It's a beautiful thing that God gave me Aaron to meet those needs. That's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that. That's good. So know who you are. Know your identity. And, and believe the truth, not a lie. Refuse to believe these social lies. Social roles attempt to be liberating. Isn't that true? The whole focus of the feminist movement is to try to liberate women. And I'm not saying there have been some great feminists. So I'm not just, you know, Susan B. Anthony. There have been some great feminists that did great things that needed to be done in our society. But the modern movement has gotten way off track from that. And it's created social roles that can really kill that can really kill people. Same thing for guys. Men, here's a social role. You have to bench 250 pounds, eat like gorillas, and watch Rambo flicks. By that definition, Joel is in trouble. <laughs> right, Joel? Joel's not going to bench 250 anytime soon. But what I'm saying is, Joel, can I pick on you for a minute? Joel's a pretty sensitive guy. Last night he told you guys all that he cries more than Leah, or maybe that was last week at SNL. That's great. You don't have to live, see, if you're Joel, you don't have to live by social roles to say, you can't do that. Be yourself. Be yourself. Know your identity. Be yourself. Sharon, you wrestled, right? That's awesome. Golly. If you like that, good deal. Don't let social roles tell you what you can and cannot be. But accept your identity in Christ and what he's made you to be. So the way that you should treat the women in the body of Christ, men. Agape, unconditional love. So for you guys, listen up. This is how you guys can treat the girls around you. Have friendships with the opposite sex. A lot of times guys think, I don't want to be a friend with that person because I don't want them to think it's romantic, or vice versa. I think you girls think the same things a lot of times. Those relationships can be great. I have a long list of girls that I was very close friends with before Aaron ever came on the scene. And we never had romantic relationships. They're, they're great friends to this day, you know? To this day, they're very good friends. And they contributed into my life in a way that prepared me to be married to Aaron in a way that guys never could have contributed into my life. I learned to listen. I learned to talk. I learned what they liked. I learned what they didn't like. All that stuff, stuff helped me develop into who 
God wanted me to be for Aaron. So if you're a guy, befriend the girls around you. They are not the means to romance, but the end in themselves. Just a, a friendship with those girls is an awesome thing. It doesn't have to go to a next step. You can just be friends. Female friends can and will impact and bless you in ways that guys can't. Okay, she's your sister. Respect her, protect her, and love her. Put her good above your own. Man, I got it. Okay, here's Joel again. Joel, I, he goes on a summer project to Mexico. It's you and two other guys, and one of the only one was married, right? Austin was married? Austin, yeah. Another guy was single. And how many girls were on that trip? Uh, a lot. A lot. <laughs> like 15 or something. I forget. So he tells me when he gets back, Austin and Laura are usually, uh, they were usually gone, like on a date, and so it would be me and one guy with like 15 girls. And these Mexicans would start getting really aggressive with the girls, like, hey, baby, blah, 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 yelling stuff at them and stuff like that. And so a few times, Jigga over here was, uh, like, strapping up his shoes tight and, like, buckling his belt and getting ready for a fight with these guys, like, hardcore. He told me he was scared out of his mind, but he was ready to fight these guys if they tried to do anything with the girls. That's awesome. Protect your sisters in Christ. Protect their emotions, guys. Don't manipulate them. Don't lead them on. Girls are touch-oriented. Guys are sight-oriented. You guys, when you touch the girls around you, it, it's the same thing as you seeing some hot girl walking by, kind of. Right? You girls agree? I don't know. This is what I've heard. Okay? So, <laughs> I'm not a girl, so I guess I can't say for sure. For a guy, a girl comes and, like, rubs your shoulders, it's no big deal. And in fact, if a guy does it, it's kind of weird, you know? <laughs> but uh, for, for most of the girls in here, if a guy comes up and starts playing with your hair, would you just be like, eh, no big deal. No, right? Wouldn't that be like, this is a big deal? <laughs> See? So you guys, be careful not to manipulate the girls around you. Be careful not to say certain things and do certain things to get them to do what you want. Be careful not to manipulate them. Manipulation is terrible. So don't manipulate the people around you. Protect them. I was scared to death of manipulating Aaron before we dated. And uh, my roommate was sick of it. He was like, Nate, you're not manipulating Aaron. Just shut up. <laughs> I wanted to be very careful. I don't want to be touching her. I don't want to be... I don't want to do anything that's going to cause her to like me because I did something. I want her to come to that decision on her own, just evaluating me as a person. There had been this girl, and this is kind of vulnerable, there had been a girl that I had dated in the past, and we'd been getting to be really good friends. I asked her if she wanted to date, and she said yes. The next day, she calls me up, and she's, she says, Look, Nate, I really, really like you, and I love you, but I made a commitment to God not to date till I got out of high school, but just to grow my walk with God. She said, I want to date you so bad, but I've got to wait till I get out of high school. You know, this is, a, this is obviously before I came to college, so this is a long time ago. I, I manipulated her. I, I said, yeah, yeah, I, I'm okay with that. But I continued telling her, you know, I love you. And I said, you're beautiful. And all this stuff. And she fell in love with me, totally. And I manipulated that. I, I manipulated that girl, and I'm ashamed of that. And after that relationship, I said, you know, I never want to manipulate a person like that again. But I want, to, I want to just let them make the decision on their own. Not because I said I love you, not because I said you're beautiful, not because I put my hands around you, but I want that person to make a decision on her own, just based on who I am. Here's a huge one for you guys. Don't hold the women around you to a standard of good looks. And you, you guys, I know this happens because I know I've done it, and I hate to admit it, 
but there's a girl that's extremely attractive and one that maybe you're not particularly attracted to, so you befriend the one that you're attracted to. That's wrong. See, there are girls that can bless you in ways that you can't imagine, that can help develop you. Befriend them, not based on their good looks, not based on their intelligence or their popularity. Be careful how you joke with them. Some of us guys, and I can even do it too, I can just whip off some joke, and then it can be really hurtful to the girls around us. So be careful how you joke with them. Be sensitive to, to their feelings. Be sensitive to how you tease them. The ways you treat your guy friends might not be the same ways to treat your, treat your girlfriends or your friends that are girls. It can really uh, hurt them. Try to really put their good first and to be a blessing to them. So the way you ladies should treat the men in the body of Christ, love them unconditionally, the same way this agape thing. Agape is the Greek word for unconditional love. So a friendship with a brother in Christ can be a very incredible and fulfilling thing. It's, it's awesome, I think. I know that God created that to be good. Men are built differently than you women. They don't think like you, and you must be careful to understand that. Guys are very turned on physically. A lot of times girls wear things, and then they're like, I can't believe that guy tried to hit on me. Uh, <laughs> you put that on! <laughs> Guys are visually stimulated. Be careful that way, because you can encourage guys romantically pretty easily. We don't need that encouragement, believe me. I know when I was a single guy, I was like, must find woman to date. I mean, <laughs> it was like a, a constant fight not to think that way. I'm like, no, don't think that way. You're good right now. Honestly, we don't need the extra encouragement. We're already thinking that way as it is, I promise. So, guys think almost any gesture implies possible romance, especially if they like the girl. So, you girls, be careful with how you dress. If one of you girls calls up a guy and says, hey, let's go out to a movie and have dinner, that's a date, guaranteed. I've had girls be like, what? They don't think it's just like a friendship thing? I'm like, no. He likes you and you call him up and ask him out on a date or on a movie and a dinner. That's a date. That's a proposal, I So, don't manipulate the guys around you. Just like the guys shouldn't manipulate the girls, girls don't manipulate the guys. And it's real easy for you to do. Don't allow yourself to be manipulated. This is a big thing. Women, if you feel uncomfortable with a guy, just say no. Let him know. I'm not going to be manipulated. Stand up for yourself. You don't have to be manipulated. You have your own rights. Be strong in that. Don't be manipulated. Don't hold your brothers to those same standards of good looks, intelligence, popularity. Okay, so what, what is dating supposed to, to look like? First of all, I want to say in 1 Corinthians 7, 7, Paul says that singleness is a gift. And the word that he uses for gift there, this is kind of weird, but later on in, in the book he talks about spiritual gifts, things that God's particularly gifted some of you in, ways that he hasn't gifted me in. Maybe he's made you a good teacher or something like that. It's a gift that God's given you. Maybe he made Terry... A genius. No, not maybe. He did. <laughs> Carrie is a genius. I'm not a genius. So God gifted her in ways I'm not gifted. Well, Paul calls being single a gift. And he uses the exact same word as he uses later in the book to describe those other types of gifts. So when you're single, be okay with that. Realize, hey, this is a gift God's given me for a time in my life that's making me the kind of person he wants me to be. And it's a time where I can grow to be closer to him. And I'll talk about why that's important in a minute. But what is a date? A date is defined 
as a prearranged social engagement in a group setting or a one-on-one. Okay? The seriousness of the dating relationship depends on the communication and honesty of the two people between themselves, each other, and God. A date involves some level of honesty and communication between two people. It doesn't just happen. I think that you should really consider what type of person you should be dating before anything. A good place to start is a single member of the opposite sex. You guys like Three Stooges? That's a, that's a great starting point. There's this one where Larry is in this weird situation where they're in Egypt or something and this girl's feeding him grapes. And uh, Larry goes, you're my type, baby. A woman. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> That's a great great place to start. 2 Corinthians 6.14. This is is huge, guys, and I want this to come across the right way, so I'll explain it. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says not to be yoked together with unbelievers. Now, what this means is that if you have a relationship with Christ, you shouldn't date somebody that doesn't have a relationship with Christ. There were a lot of great girls that I knew that were awesome, awesome, awesome women. And I didn't look at them and go... You don't go to the same church as me, so you're you're inferior to who I am. That's wrong. That's not what it's saying here. What it is saying here is, if you have a relationship with Christ, God is the most important thing in your life. He's more important than her. Okay? That's going to be real hard to communicate to somebody that doesn't have that same idea. There's this guy uh, that I talk with down in the snack bar a lot that hasn't made a decision to to, to have a relationship with Christ. He's talking to me one time. He goes, why, why so... You know, you guys know little Millie? He goes, I'm in art class with Millie. Every single project she does has to do with God. Because, <laughs> kind of, it's crazy. All you Christians, all you think about is God. Like, what's the big deal? And I said, honestly, like, it's a personal relationship that I, I want you to understand at some point. And I said, basically, God is the most important thing in my life. My relationship with Christ is more important than anything. He goes, not more important than Aaron. And I said, yeah, a lot more important than Aaron. And he goes, that's unacceptable. You can't say that. That's unacceptable. And he goes, if she heard you saying that, she'd be furious with you. So I said, no, let's go ask her. So we go over to the table and we're in the same. I said, she'd say the same thing. So he goes, no, she wouldn't. So he goes over and she, he goes, who do you love more, Nate or Jesus? And Aaron goes, hmm, it's a hard one, but I'm going to have to say Jesus. <laughs> and he goes, unacceptable. He gets all mad. That's, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. Okay, now honestly, the reason that's important is because he is love himself. He is the definition of unconditional love. If that unconditional love is inside me and that is my highest priority, I'm going to love Aaron a lot better than I could ever do on my own. That's why he has to be first. But here's the other deal. When he is in my life in a personal relationship type of way, a lot of other stuff happens that you just won't understand unless you have that personal relationship. Here is one example. I have a friend who's married, and his his wife has not yet started a relationship with Christ. As a Christian, he has to give 10% of his income away. We're supposed to tithe. Give 10% of our income away. And that's like the baseline. It's not like you're done there. 10% and more is a good thing. Okay? And it's great. Like, just a a side note, as you give that 10%, God blesses you beyond belief. We've seen it in many times. Now, how are you going to explain that to your wife if she doesn't have that same relationship? This friend of mine, his wife, for many, many years, is very frustrated with him for giving away 10% of their income. Okay? Every time a bill comes due, they have an argument. Because she's like, why in the world would you give away that money? 
This is stupid. We earned it the hard way. Let's keep it and pay our bills. That's just one example how there can be major differences that can cause a lot of arguments and, and can destroy a relationship if you don't see eye to eye on something. So it's not an inferiority thing, but it's just simply you have a lot of different requirements that maybe that person doesn't have. And they might not understand until they make that decision. Okay, again, God is love. When he's inside me and he's inside Aaron, we're going to love each other in ways that we couldn't on our own. And here's the other thing. If God's in a relationship in both people, this is cool, I want you guys to get this. There's a higher standard. If it's just me and Aaron, and there's no God in the picture, just me and Aaron, okay, I can fight it out to the death if I'm right. There's no standard. Why not? I'm right. You're wrong. I'm going to win this argument. And I don't care what happens to you in the meantime. When God's in the picture, he tells me as a husband, dwell with your wife in harmony so that your prayers won't be hindered. Okay, now get this. If I'm not living with Aaron in harmony, I've got a bigger fish to fry, so to say. I have a bigger problem between me and God that I'm not dealing with. So I, there's a standard that in a relationship I have to live up to between me and God, that allows me to be the kind of husband that Aaron needs me to be. See, that's why it's so important. So it's not an inferiority thing, but it's vitally important that you be on the same page. Think of it this way. Justin, are you single? Okay, sweet. Justin, would you ever consider dating a woman that only spoke Chinese and no English? (laughs) Not really, right? Okay, is it because she's inferior to you? Not at all. I mean, she could be very attractive. She could have two PhDs even. She could be superior to you in many ways. But you cannot communicate. You don't see eye to eye on big issues like communication. So that is what the Bible is talking about there. Okay, so what other person should you consider dating? Someone with similar maturity. The benefits of that are obvious, okay? I had a friend once that wanted to date some, like, hillbilly tow truck driver that believed the National Enquirer was true. (laughs) She told me that, and I was like, break up with him. (laughs) She's like, we had a two-hour argument about whether the National Enquirer was true. (laughs) You should stop dating now. (laughs) Don't go any further, please. Okay? So someone with similar maturity, someone who would be possible as a candidate for marriage. Don't ever date someone you wouldn't consider marrying. That's a big deal. I remember there were girls that I'd be like, I would never even consider marrying that girl, so it'd be stupid for me to just go casually dating them. I guess I say that say that dating is a kind of way of determining, is this the right person to be dating? Yes or no? Or to be marrying? So when are you ready for a special dating relationship? Two halves don't make a whole. Does that make sense? In dating, two halves don't make a whole. If you get into a dating relationship to meet a need, that relationship is doomed from the start. Because you'll be holding that person up to expectations that they cannot reasonably live up to. Whereas if God is meeting every need first, and then that person is just icing on the cake, that's a beautiful thing. Because you're not holding them up to the same expectations. God is meeting those needs you have. See, Jesus said in John 4.14, He said that He would satisfy every desire of our heart. He said that He would... Give us water and that we'd never thirst again. If he's not satisfying me, a woman will not. And that's something that a lot of people mistake. Two halves don't make a whole. So be confident in your own identity. The other person can be a commodity if you're needy, or they can be a real blessing if God is your everything. 
So God must be number one in your life. Don't make the opposite sex an idol. You think more about her or God. This is If you guys are dating, this is a big deal. If that girl is consuming your thoughts more than your relationship with God, there's, I think, big problems down the road. Patiently and trustfully wait for his timing. Before I started dating Aaron, I'm not saying this to, to make myself look good, but I'm saying this because I hope every single one of you does it before you date. And if you're already dating, do it before you get married. I think I fasted a combined total of probably close to a month. And not all at once, but like two days one week, three days another week, five days some weeks. I wasn't going to make that decision lightly. I wanted to pray and fast and seek God's will about Aaron. I want to know, is this the right person that you want me to be with? So really, take this to God. Pray about it. Fast about it. It's a big decision. Make sure that you have that solid identity in Christ. Make sure you're maturing in Christ and have matured to a place where you're ready. Are you walking in His Spirit? Remember the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all that stuff? If those aren't fruits that you're seeing in your life, you're not going to be a good person for the other person. That's huge. You're probably going to be a bad person for the other person. How many of you have dated somebody in the past that was a bad person for you? I have. Okay. Wouldn't it be great if when you dated somebody else, always they were that kind of person? They loved you, they had joy, they had peace, they had kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are good things. That's what God wants. So are you walking in the Spirit and have that fruit coming in your life? Can you be a blessing to that person the way God wants? Can you um, encourage positive growth in each other? This is a huge thing. If you are dragging each other down, it's no good, I don't think. Probably not the right kind of person for you. The best relationships that I've ever seen are when, when the couple encourages each other to be better people. That is good. Aaron encourages me in my walk with God. She encourages me... And the ministry, there are days where I don't feel like going to campus. I'll just feel like, ah, oh, man, I'm really bummed out about these things or something like that. And Erin will encourage me. She'll get me back on track. She makes me a better person. Okay, so are you encouraging each other or dragging each other down? Do you have the right motives for that relationship? Is it self-gratification or is it really to honor and bless that person? See, the whole goal of dating is to glorify God like everything else. It's to glorify Him. And in marriage, we show that full picture of Him. It's really, really good stuff. So what are your motives in that relationship? Is it just to get something from me? Or is it to really love that person? Have you developed an agape-only relationship with that person first? Luke 16.10 says, Be faithful in little, and God will make you faithful in much. There's a big deal. Have you been faithful in those guide relationships God's put you in? Because as you're faithful in those... You're building the right kind of foundation to be able to be successful in a dating and marriage relationship. If you're a guy in here and you don't know how to talk to a girl, then probably you're not ready to date one. Because that's a big part of dating, right? That's communication. (laughs) So, be growing in those things. This takes time. No one should date someone they barely know. This is stupid. Why would you let somebody have that kind of intimacy? Honestly, if you're a girl and some guy walks up and he's like... You're hot. Let's go out. And you're like, ooh, I think you're hot too. Um, why would you let a guy have that kind of intimacy with you? I mean, that guy could be a, an ass murderer for all you know. And looking across our society, it's not that unlikely. You know, there are a lot of messed up people out there. So, kind of my relationship rule is know the person. That's a no-brainer. Know who you're planning on dating. Know who they are. Know what kind of person they are. Proverbs 12.26 says, A wise man is cautious in friendship. He doesn't race into it, but he's careful with it. Takes his time. 
I really want to find out, what's this person like? Am I going to start dating somebody before I know what kind of temper they have? Before I go date somebody, find out, you know, is this person going to be a reasonable person, you know? Are they going to be some kind of moron? Protect yourself. Every time you date somebody, you're putting a little bit of yourself out there. You're trusting and being vulnerable in a way that can hurt you. So protect yourself. Don't put yourself out on the line for somebody you barely know. Don't give your heart to any guy that walks by. Or you guys, don't just give your heart to any hot girl that walks by. But honestly, don't put your heart out there to get just destroyed by somebody you barely know. Okay, we're almost done, I promise. I honestly think these are some keys to a successful marriage for the rest of your life. And see, you're building up to that right now. You're never going to have a successful marriage if you don't first... (laughs) date somebody. I don't think. I've heard of like mail order brides and stuff, but I'm pretty sure they don't work that well. So, in all this, here's a relationship test that I think is really good. Are you individually and as a couple growing and maturing in Christ and encouraging growth in each other? Are you having your time with God, your an effective prayer life, obeying His will for you, etc., etc.? Are, you, are the fruits of, of His Spirit in your life? Is there love? Is there joy? Is there peace? If you look at your life and go, honestly, I'm not very loving. I'm not very joyful. I'm not very peaceful. If you look at your life and say, I'm not very faithful, I'm not very self-controlled, I would, I would challenge you to make the next decision and say, I'm not ready to date someone because I'm just going to hurt them. I know myself. And there were times like that in my life where I said, for the next two years, I am not dating. I'm just going to grow in my walk with God and let Him change me because I don't want to destroy some girl for no reason. So... How and why should you date? 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Paul didn't write that to married people only, but even to single people, even to dating couples. How can you glorify God in that relationship? Finding the right person versus becoming the right person. This is huge. Okay, get this. Finding the right person is is probably less than 35% of the equation. You guys get that? Finding the right person is probably less than 35% of the equation. You could have a successful, happy marriage with pretty much anybody on this planet. There are some compatibility issues that that are just like over the top. But for the most part, I think if you were determined to make marriage work, it could work with anyone. We have some friends, Joe and Aisha. They're actually Muslims, but they had this spectacular view of marriage. They had an arranged marriage. It was totally arranged. They They never even met before they got married. She never even saw his picture before they got married. And so Joe told me that about a year after he married Aisha, he said he'd ask her, Aisha, are you happy with me? Um, Am I a husband that satisfies you? Are are you okay with the fact that you're married to me? And Aisha said the most awesome quote I've ever heard. She said, Joe, I determined before I ever met you that you were what God gave me and that I was going to love you whether you were a good man or a bad man, whether you're ugly or attractive. I was going to love you no matter what. I thought, what a good statement, man. Awesome thing. I think if most people had that kind of idea going into marriage, there would not be a divorce rate of over 50%. So, finding the right person is a small part of the equation. Becoming the right person is the big. It's over 65%, I think, of the equation. So, I know I used to think, when am I going to find the right person? A lot of us guys think that way. I challenge you, change your thinking to, I want to become the right person for that future girl before I meet her. Right now, I want to learn to become the right person. So make good decisions about marriage and all this stuff that as you date, you can make a better decision about marriage. 
So if you realize this person is not someone you'd be able to marry, gently communicate and end the relationship, I think. Date in a way that if you do break up, you won't have regrets. This is a big one. Set up boundaries. This is great. That girl that I kind of manipulated into dating me, she fell in love with me, but I don't think we ever did anything more physical than hold hands, if that. And I don't have regrets about that relationship. There's a lot of myself that I protected, and, and there's a lot of herself that she protected. And we would encourage each other in our walks with God. And so I can honestly talk about that relationship without a lot of hurt. Because I know she's married today, has a great husband. I'm married today, have a great wife. And nothing we did is, is something I would be ashamed to tell my wife about. See, think about your future wife. I think it's a beautiful thing to be able to save yourself for her. That's awesome. And I think it will... It'll be something awesome for her. And again, I'd say don't just date for physical pleasure. Treat that person respectfully as your brother or sister in Christ. We're made to stick together like duct tape. This is true. You rip duct tape apart, next time it doesn't stick so well. That's very true. Do it a couple more times, it sticks less and less. And I want to encourage you that if you, if you have had a lot of sex in your past, remember there was this girl I worked with back when I was a college student. And we closed, I was the closing manager at this snowboard shop, and she starts crying. Every night we had to unload our pockets to show we weren't stealing anything. She always saw my Bible, and she goes, are you a Christian? I said, yeah. She goes, God would never accept me because I've had too much sex. And she just starts bawling her eyes out. And I I told her right there, I said, nothing could be further from the truth. That's nothing. That's nothing, you know. God loves you beyond what you could ever imagine. God desires you beyond what you could ever imagine. He, he, it's, he says he throws that sin as far as the east is from the west. It's infinitely separated from you. And he sees you as perfect and righteous. And he restores you. Okay, He restores you. So if you have had that kind of relationship in the past, know that God can completely restore you. For you women, and I, I think this is good to say here, for us guys, sex is, is very physical. For women, it's a lot deeper than that. And for, for women, after they've had sex with a lot of guys, it's very hard to forget that stuff. Very hard. And so I think as guys, we need to step up to the plate and protect their futures if we really love them. I know of many divorces where it, the whole divorce happens because the woman won't even have sex with her husband. Because every time she has sex with her husband, all she can think of is all these images of other guys she's been with. And it just disgusts her. And so she hates sex. And so the husband divorces her because he doesn't hate sex. And it's just terrible the way this works. So I think protect each other, love each other, more than just what I'm physically going to get out of it. So I think, I think when, when God said that I was supposed to save sex for marriage, and when he even told me that lust is equal to adultery, he did it for my good, knowing that it was the way that I could best experience sex in a way that nobody's ever even dreamt of. Just to make Aaron blush, sex is great. Okay? And it gets better and better, just like Russ and Linda said. It's true. So when are you ready for marriage? Not after six months of good feelings, because you really feel this is the one. For people to do that, everybody feels that way. You're not unique. Remember this. When you, when you start dating someone, and you really feel like you're unique, you're not unique. Believe it. I, when you're dating, it's like, man, there are a lot of other people that have got divorced, but they just didn't have what we have. You're dead wrong if you think about like that. I would say pretty much almost every single other married couple that's ever lived and had successful marriages or got divorced felt the same way you felt. 
And my dad told me that. He goes, you don't have anything you need. Just trust it. It's, it you, you've got to work to have a successful marriage. Marriage isn't going to be successful because you have something unique. So don't trust that just because you feel like you have a good thing going for you. When you've learned to do the agape romance correctly, putting the other girl or the other person first, that is a good thing. And when you've spent adequate time developing the relationship, a dating relationship for a week does not, man, you're marrying someone. Like Russ said, second biggest decision of your life. You're going to spend 50, 60 years with this person. You better know all about them. You better know who they are. You better know what kind of person they are. Are you circumstantially ready? Are you still in college? That can be a big hamper on a marriage. Do you have any debt? If you love that person, if you love that person, are you going to tie them to that debt? Honestly, I think that's a big deal. I'm not saying that you have to be totally out of debt to get married. I'm just saying evaluate it. Evaluate where you're at. Are you ready to walk the marriage role God has provided for you? Do you want to get married? Are you ready to be a mother? could happen. We, we know some good friends that got pregnant on their wedding night. And they were using contraception and it totally didn't work. Nothing's 100% effective. So, are you ready to walk those marriage roles? Don't get in a marriage before you're ready to do that. Are you ready to be a father? Are you ready to be a mother? Wait to do that. Are you emotionally ready? Don't seek marriage or even a dating relationship as a security blanket. Are you spiritually ready? Is Christ your all? Are you complete? Are you whole on your own without that other person? I can honestly say I don't need Aaron. And she can honestly say she does not need me. But when she's around, she adds a whole lot to my life that I'm really glad is there. But I don't need her. But that makes her so much more beautiful. That makes her so much more awesome. Because she, she, she goes beyond just a need that needs to be met. So, how are you developing in His calling on your life? Okay, God, is, there's the next thing. Your mission in life. What are you going to do in life? If your potential spouse isn't encouraging you in that life mission and purpose and goal... That's, that's trouble. And I've seen a lot of couples where you have somebody that's driven. Man, I have, there are all these awesome things that I know I'm called to in life. And then they start dating some girl, and it's like, eh, whatever, who cares about it all, you know? Don't just let some person take you away from your mission in life. But really, when you find the right person, I think they'll encourage you in your life mission. Aaron does for me. You know, I have vision for my future, and I'll talk to her about it, and later she'll remind me about it. She's challenging me not to forget it. She's telling me, you can do it, Nate. You're, you know what I mean? She's encouraging me in, in the vision that God's given me for my life. Okay, do you have confirmation? Honestly, if your friends and people like your parents all around you don't think this person's the one, it's probably because they might not be. Uh, so trust the people around you. So anyway, bottom line, it's all done here. An awesome marriage is possible. Marriage like Mason's parents, I think you guys can all have that. Mason, you can have that too. And here, here's, what, here's what I'm talking about. It's not, that even that is not unique. It is because we don't see it often, but it shouldn't be. If you ask your parents, did it just happen? They're going to say, no, we worked at it. We invested in this marriage. We made it work. So it's possible for all of you in here. You don't have to be a statistic. It can be awesome and satisfying and fulfilling. You can have a connection with another human being like you never dreamt possible. You can communicate with another human being like you never thought possible. You can be accepted by another human being like you never thought possible. You can have intimacy with another human being like you never thought possible. And you can have an exciting, awesome sex life 
that you never thought possible. It, it'll blow your expectations the right way. Okay, that's all I have.